You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom episode. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And today we're going to talk about moms because we are moms yes, we are and want to ask your mom. So yeah. this talk, this uh, subject today is when you can't ask your mom. Uh, so mothers, we, as we know, mold us and physically in the womb and always emotionally through their interactions with us. There's all kinds of mother-child relationships, including adoptive ones and mentoring ones. But in our Christian worldview, the church is the family of God. Peter says as much in 1 Peter 2.17, where he commands us to love the family of believers. So in Christ, we have a family and spiritual parents. And yet, there are many of us who lose our mothers to illness or death along the way. And what if your mom isn't someone you'd want to use as a resource for help and advice? This can leave a really deep wound. Psychologists even call it the mother wound. Children, usually daughters, but sometimes also sons, are said to experience the mother wound if their mother provided support by taking care of the physical needs of the children, but didn't really give love, care, or security, didn't provide empathy to mirror the child's emotions and help them label and manage those emotions, didn't allow the child to express negative emotions, was extra critical, expected the child's support with their own physical or emotional needs, maybe suffered emotional or physical abuse themselves, didn't process that, and was therefore unable to offer love and nurture. Maybe they had an untreated mental health condition or experienced alcoholism or drug addiction. So all those things. So much brokenness. Yeah. So many ways to be broken (laughs) and have to be put back together again. And so that was really news to me, Bonnie, when we talked about doing this episode and I started to do a little research, you had done a ton more research on this, a lot of reading about some books that we're going to talk Mm -hmm. about today, but the reality of that mother wound and the depth and all the things that can cause it that you just listed, Mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of women walking around with this kind of wounding. Yeah, I would expect. And, and trying to function, trying to do all the things. Mm -hmm. And so in the interest of, um, just helping one another be more aware of what we're carrying around. I thought it would be helpful for you guys to tell your stories, which I'm so grateful that um, you, Bonnie, are going to tell us um, about your experience of losing your mom. And my friend Danielle Cunningham is also going to share her experience of losing her mom. And then we'll just talk about ways we can process that in healthy ways and move forward. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Our listeners know about you, Bonnie, but I love your bio. Let's talk about you for a second. And then I want to. Where's my bio? (laughs) Right row. So, I mean, you're a writer, for goodness sakes. I do write, yes. I also have a small farm. So, I am a beekeeper and gardener and I don't know, chicken wrangler, all kinds of things. Yes. And you've got two grown children who we've mentioned before. Mm -hmm. They're empty empty nest, just like you. Um, So, yep, I have an older daughter who's almost 25 and a son who's almost 22. And you and your husband um, owned and ran a veterinary business for 
Over 20 years? Over 20 mm-hmm. years. So mm-hmm. you've done lots and lots of things. And then we have our younger friend, Danielle Cunningham. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And so tell us about you and your sweet little family. Well, um, I am married to Dustin. We've been married for almost 11 years. And then we have Jack, who is four, and Kate, who is just seven and a half months. Got to throw that half in. <laughs> and um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and... Um, just enjoy being with those babies a lot. Yeah. And what was your degree in? Yep. Mass communication. Yeah, you and Dustin met. We MT- did. MTSU. He was a TA in my class. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is that allowed? <laughs> well, you know what? It is what it is. We <laughs> <laughs> need to cut that part out. Let's start again. Water under the reset, bridge. Reset, reset. No, I love Dustin and Danielle. They're sweet children. Mm-hmm. They're um, just a, I love being part of your little family yeah. as you're so doing sweet. life. And so, um, all right, so let's just talk about your relationships with your moms growing up. So, Danielle, can you just tell us about what life was like with your mom when you were growing up? Sure. Um, my mom and I, now looking back, I'm able to see that we were just very different people. She um, was kind of fly by the seat of her pants, and I was very structured. Um, she would say, hey, let's ride up to Rock Island today and just check it out. And I'm like, okay, well, how long are we going to be gone? How many <laughs> books do I need to bring to read in the car? Are we, do we need snacks? Where are we eating lunch? Like, all the things. I wanted a list, and she was like, eh, we'll figure it out. No big deal. And that was very stressful to me. Um, so we just looked at things very differently, and that, as a young child, was kind of hard to understand why there was some like strained relationship in that yeah and and was it just you and your mom you have siblings I do I have an older brother and he and my mom they are peas in a pod Mm -hmm. they love adventure um he loves to go and do and so she'd say let's go somewhere and he's like I'm ready like let me get my (laughs) shoes on let's go so so were you wondering what's wrong with you like or were you like why can't you not see it my way I'm right (laughs) Oh, no, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me at all. I just, um, I just didn't understand how they were so different than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so talk to, was your dad in the picture from the beginning? No, my parents got a divorce whenever I was in the third grade. Okay. And so I was predominantly with my mom until um, she had some health issues when I was in like eighth and ninth grade. So I ended up moving in with my dad and we are very, very similar and calm and um (laughs) it it was just like a whole different universe living with him and I was like okay now okay this is where I fit it starts to make sense yes it did yeah there was one of each parent yes for sure yes yeah so um all right Bonnie tell us about your childhood a little bit I love your childhood stories well big rowdy family we have a big rowdy family (laughs) yeah and we managed to make a big rowdy family too um I'm the fourth of five, so my mom um, had three in quick succession, and then eight years later had me and my brother, so we were like separate separate families. Um, we lived all over the southeast because we were a military family. Um, How did your mother parent you all? How she did she mother you? was, you know, it was the 70s and 80s, so it was kind of, um, hey go do your thing, come back when the streetlights come on and we'll have dinner. And she was great. Like we always had dinner and never wanted for anything. Um, But she, they didn't really come to stuff. They didn't come to games or, you know, you're supposed to do your job in school until you didn't, then they cared. But otherwise it was like, yeah, do your own thing. It was very free, free spirit, free range. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. And then um, would you say you had a, like a good relationship with her? Like, um, Y'all got along. Oh, yeah. 
You, you didn't like butt heads. Did you butt heads as you got older though? Like teenage? Not really. No. No. Mom was always the heart, um, kind of the salt of the home. The reason everybody would come home for holidays. She's the glue. Okay. That held everything together. Okay. Yeah. I know. I wish I could have met her. And and then Danielle, so y- y- your parents divorced when you're in third grade. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about what life was like between then and eighth grade when you went to live with your dad. Well, there was a lot. Um, it's funny. We didn't have a really good relationship, but still I don't want to say anything real negative because it's like there's that loyalty there, even though we weren't very close. Um, there was a lot of her keeping me from my dad and his side of the family as um, as ways to punish him for their divorce. And so whenever Which is common, I think, yes, mm-hmm. it yeah. is unfortunate, but mm-hmm. common. So whenever she had her heart attack at 40 and was like, surprise, I haven't talked to you about this, but you get to move in with your dad. Um, that was hard. And because um, I didn't know him very well, because she pretty much kept me from him. And she had already remarried at this point to someone that I did not um, want to have anything to do with. And it was just, um, it was hard. I read a lot. I earned a lot of free um, Pizza Hut pizzas <laughs> from Accelerated Reader Program. And um, that's kind of how that's I... It's a healthy way to escape. Well, and then, of yeah. course, her parents, my grandparents, I, I would say they mostly raised me whenever I was younger. Because every time I had a chance, I would go over to their house. So mm, Yeah. And so she did remarry. Mm-hmm. How many times? Once? Once, Just yes. Once. Okay, mm-hmm. but there were boyfriends as well. Oh, sure, yes. So there's there's men in and out. Yes. And, and all that. Okay, so let's, um, I want to, thank you for telling the, the ground, just kind of the background of your stories with your moms. I want to mm-hmm. move to um, a couple of really amazing books, which I should have known, Bonnie, you had. <laughs> she brought them today to my house. Um, Hope Edelman wrote a groundbreaking book in 1994 called motherless daughters and then in 2007 she followed that one up with motherless mothers Mm -hmm. and in these books she explored the unique grief and challenges faced by women who lose their mothers because as we're going to see both of these women have lost their mothers Um, when new mothers are grieving their own mothers the physical and psychological stress can be overwhelming you're suddenly in the role of the person you need the most who's no longer there You're mourning the loss of your child's grandmother as well, says Edelman. And if you became a mother after your own mother died, you're mourning what might have been. So Mm -hmm. can you talk to us, Bonnie? Mm -hmm. When did your mom um, get sick and eventually die? She um, got lung cancer in 1992. And barely a year later in 1993, October, she passed away. And you were, how old were you at that time? I was 24 years old. 24. Yeah. So this has been 28 years ago. Yeah. But I'm telling you, as I'm talking about this now, I'm still feeling all the things. So that ever never stops. Mm-hmm. So I had just been married um, for just over a year. We didn't have any kids. Mm-hmm. So newly married, just graduated from school, kind of just starting life, mm-hmm. figuring stuff out. And really, you know, that's when you leave home and you're like looking back at your parents and you're realizing that oh they're you're actually people (laughs) like like you're an interesting person not just mom I didn't ever get that um full circle so I never really knew her as the interesting person that she was or get to ask her all the questions that you would have as an adult to an adult right right all right and then talk to us Danielle how were you when your your mom had her heart attack and then continued to Mm -hmm. decline she had several health issues um Mm -hmm. 
when I was in uh, middle school and high school, but it was um, in March of 2009 that she got diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she died in June of 2011. So it was a, like, I guess, um, two and a half years mm-hmm. of treatments and all the things. And um, she was at our wedding and we had been married, I guess, seven, eight months whenever she passed away. So like you, Bonnie, mm-hmm. newly married, trying to figure all that out. Right. That's and a big old blow it is. to your it's, marriage. Yeah. It's a lot to process together with someone new. Mm-hmm. So I, I was going to ask you, okay, how did you cope with the birth of your first child without your mom? But I, I'm going to back up and say, how did you cope with being a wife? without without your mom so are there were there things you would have called her to ask her about was there like what you know um I mean I did Mm -hmm. with my mom so how what tell me um can you explain how you were feeling Bonnie besides the deep grief think yeah sure of course uh I think there were a lot of questions I would have asked she was a pretty traditional 1960s kind of mom um, and I wasn't necessarily sure that's what I wanted for my marriage. So I was interested in the compare and contrast. Like, how did you figure that out? But also she was such an awesome mother-in-law. Mm. And that for me, I think was the key, um, difference. Like, how do I navigate in-law relationships? I didn't have anyone except my own mother-in-law, which who was new to ask that of. Right. And I wasn't going to do that because that was weird. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the whole in-law situation, I couldn't really watch her being an in-law and learn how to be one myself. Oh, that was yeah. a weird that would be hard. thing that would have been helpful to have. <laughs> and she, yeah, she had all these amazing talents and amazing mind, you've told me. And you said she was one, a reader and yeah. a writer and probably the reason I became that. And um, yeah, just a s- super smart, funny intellectual kind of person and we've had conversations where you you said you suspected that she wished she had been able to do something else maybe not instead of raise you all but just in addition to raising you all yeah because she was raised where women you became a secretary or a teacher maybe um and that was it like her parents she was girl so no use to send her to school so Mm. she she did that on her own like way 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 later when i was little went back mm-hmm. to take some classes and mm-hmm. I remember seeing her just flourish in that and for the first time probably when I was in first grade thinking oh you're a, you're a separate person mm-hmm. you know that has interests of your own right <laughs> we're just not your world I know <laughs> <laughs> a little crack in that <laughs> glass bubble around me there but yeah oh okay and so um tell me about you Danielle did how did it feel being a new wife and you don't have a mom around now you were very close to your grandmother though yes her mother yes and so I would say that's who I went to for anything you know that I needed and recipes and whatever else and she would just give me the same advice she always gave me we just you do hard things you just keep going and Mm -hmm. you just keep doing what you're supposed to so she's great I love her. I would love to interview her on this podcast, but she would probably turn us down. She's a she has a busy, fulfilling life. Well, her social calendar is pretty demanding, but if you get in early enough, she may grant you. She is my life goals for my 80s. Yeah. That's all I got to say. She's I an had, amazing I woman. had three older sisters, too, as I mentioned before. So they were kind of, mm-hmm. I could go and ask them things that I couldn't maybe, a, you know, 
a friend or my own mom. That's right. I'm glad you said that because when I was thinking about the two of you, I thought, wow, God was so gracious. Danielle had her grandmother mm-hmm. and you had your older sisters mm-hmm. to be able to bounce things was nice. off mm-hmm. of. Um, all right. So when you had your first child, though, um, were some of the this grief, this... Um, this wound this empty place in your life did that rear its head like when you got pregnant when you had your first child um danielle talk to me about that for sure um it just felt like a big part of it was missing Mm. um uh, i wasn't able to talk to her about her pregnancy and see if there was any similarities or um, my doula sarah was asking me questions how did your mom go the full 40 and all this and i'm like I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I could ask my dad, but he's a boy and he doesn't know all he's that stuff. Know. No. And um, so that was part of it. And then also like after Jack was born, it was like, I see all these three generation pictures of people with their mom and them and their child. And I'm like, we, we don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it definitely brings up like those glaring yeah. Um, instances where it should have been different. Mm-hmm. Were you, so how'd you feel about that? Were you sad? Were you mad? Were all you, the above. <laughs> uh, kind of all of it, honestly. Yeah. Like I was sad of, um, of what could have been mm-hmm. and what, what never will be. And then mad that, um, I don't know, just mad about the whole thing. Kind of yeah. other people get it mm-hmm. and you don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I remember being like, so jealous of you Brene oh I'm sorry (laughs) because you had this great relationship with your mom Mm -hmm. and you we were raising our kids at the same time Mm -hmm. and you'd always talk about going up to to Nana's house she saved my life and going shopping yeah (laughs) you guys would go shopping and do all this stuff with her Mm -hmm. and um yeah I can remember being really jealous of friends who had that relationship and then Mm -hmm. also um it would make me angry when people would complain about mm. oh my mom you know she just does that <laughs> and I'm biting my lip saying well at least you get to have one you know and it would kind of rub me the wrong way yeah but, for sure yeah yeah so let's talk about the repercussions of that Edelman in her book interviewed nearly 80 women and then she surveyed another 1300 for motherless mothers and she found that there's some common traits of motherless mothers mm-hmm. um, for instance they tend to be overprotective ultra vigilant and preoccupied with death they're determined to give their children anything that may have been missing in their own childhoods. Does this ring true for either of you, Danielle? How did you how'd you feel when we talked about this? Well, it was funny. <laughs> I was um, talking to my husband about this, and he started laughing whenever <laughs> I talked about um, overprotective and ultra vigilant. And I was like, "Okay, why are you laughing? That's kind of rude." And he was like, "Do you not remember when Jack would go to King's house um, in the summer?" And um, I remembered that I would send Jack to my grandmother's house and she has an above ground pool and he would go over there to play for a few hours a day and when I needed a break and I could not calm down because all I could picture is that I would go try to find him at her house and he would be floating in the pool. And I, no reason for me to think that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at all, but I have been guilty of driving by her house when he's there with her just to make sure the pool steps are up where he cannot get into the pool. Mm. I could not calm down until I could see from my own eyes mm. that, that that was not a possibility. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think um, 
I don't, I don't think I was overprotective. My husband would probably say I was opposite because of how I was raised. <laughs> I think so. I think that's right, Bonnie. Just I like, observed that. You like, were the free spirit. Risk. Like, take yes. some risk, be independent. But I think the independence came from, because you might have to be independent. Like, you mm. don't know you're, you're going to, mm-hmm. who you're going to have to rely on. Um, so I think for me, the most important par- part of parenting was to just stick around as long as possible. Because I didn't ever know when that when I wasn't going to be there anymore. So I wouldn't say I was morbid or preoccupied with death, but in that sense, yes. Um, it's just a different set of lenses that you're viewing your role. I would, I never would promise them that I was always going to be there. Stuff like that, Mm. that you just say to your kids. Mm -hmm. Cause I thought, well, that's a lie. I can't say that to you because I can't promise that. Um, and I would do, um, like super extra record keeping because of all the things, like you said, Danielle, I, I can't ask her. Right. So I kept like journals and baby books and stuff of my thoughts at the time. And so in case I'm not around, you'll know what I was thinking mm-hmm. or um, make sure I had pictures with me in them. Cause in case I'm not around, <laughs> like that yeah. was just an inevitable thing that was probably going to happen. Thank goodness it hasn't, but right. I mean, I just knew that it could. Yeah, that's so funny. I couldn't articulate that until you just said that. But now I'm thinking like, I write everything in our calendar. I take a jillion pictures with me even in it too. I, I just document everything. And Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me of why I might do that now. Mm -hmm. It's so it's so helpful to um, self reflect and to talk to someone farther down the road. Mm -hmm. Like women find someone just a little bit ahead of you who's walked a similar path if you're struggling with something because it's so incredibly helpful. And what you're yeah. saying, Bonnie, was something else Edelman found. She found that not they're not, you may tend to be overprotective, but you also may tend to be overly strong and self-reliant. So yeah. you like, you like you're just what you were describing, mm-hmm. maybe even resistant to asking for help. And the statistics were shocking to me. So she said that 54% of motherless mothers got by without help from family friends or paid professionals that's over half of motherless mothers mm-hmm. doing it all by themselves or with their you know their spouse compared to only 15 percent of other mothers who have their parents i think i would say i had a this is part personality but part also um a high need for control because that was one thing i absolutely couldn't control mm-hmm. like as try as hard as i prayed as much as i tried to you know make it not happen mm-hmm. it happened anyway i couldn't control it so what are the things i can control so then i became ultra like my environment had to be just so and i had like i certainly wouldn't ask for help cuz i had to be controlling it you know right it's an obvious psychological thing but when you're doing it you don't know you're doing it that it makes total mm-hmm. sense to you yeah. doesn't it it's, it's totally reasonable as mm-hmm. you're describing it to me i'm like that makes sense i could see why you would think that way <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's interesting how like you went the self-reliant, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it and control. And like you, Danielle, seem to be really good at asking for help. Yeah. Like you are able to articulate your needs. I've admired that in you actually. Mm-hmm. Like um, you're able to ask your mother-in-law to help with the children or King, which is the best grandma name on the earth. Yeah. <laughs> I love that name. It was Granny King. Then it got short and Jack just said, I ain't got time for the Granny part. It's just going to be King. And that and that's what king. it's been. I know. That's why. I like, love I want to be her and I also just want to be the King. <laughs> Same. But Same. like you even like, and you even ask like friends for help too. Or if you feel like you need interaction, like you'll set up a play date. Like you seem well aware of that. Is that true? Am I observing that? Yes. Rightly? Um, and I don't honestly know how that came about. It's just like... 
see a need, fill a need, you know, like if you need something, mm-hmm. just ask. And in the same way, like if somebody needs something for me, I'm just like, oh, well, sure. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do need to plug that my mother-in-law and my grandmother have been the best with helping me keep the kids whenever I'm just about to pull my hair out or when I need a nap or whatever. They are always willing to help me and I would pretty much be lost without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Like I love watching intergenerational child rearing. It's mm-hmm. just the most wonderful beautiful thing and that's that's the thing like in the family of god like we can have that Mm -hmm. like you have relations that are doing that but we can do that for each other like we have to do it for each Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. like we have to be more in each other's business business (laughs) we really do like it's that's the best way to do life remember the two weeks i lived with you bonnie when we were all four of us lived with you when we were in between houses we lived with you all for two weeks and with our other friends for two weeks that was the funnest month. Yeah. We'll like just, just doing life, intimate life together. More hands. More, more hands, more help, yeah. more people <laughs> to bounce things off of. Am I losing my mind? You know, that kind of For thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what advice would you give? Because you all couldn't turn to your mom for help. What? So you kind of alluded to it, Danielle. What advice would you give moms who, like, maybe they don't want to turn to their mom for help. Maybe there's a dysfunctional relationship mm-hmm. there. Maybe there's some boundaries they've had to put into place to have a healthy, um, their own healthy family with their spouse and their sure. children. Um, tell us how you've done that. Well, obviously, I just looked for other people um, within my family and outside of my family. I tried to find people who I could see that they had positive relationships with their own grown children. Mm-hmm. And then I would just um, ask shamelessly ask like I literally think Renee I said can I come to your house for dinner sometime (laughs) the first time we ever really hung out and um yeah I guess I'm really not afraid to ask (laughs) you're talking about that um yes I just I tried to find people who I wanted my life like I wanted my family to look like Mm -hmm. and then I would just spend time with them that's so wise yeah that's so wise and people when you see people who you think are well suited to one another because our friend Bobby Mm-hmm. Like she knew you. Yes. We were in a group together mm-hmm. that met weekly and um, she knew me in another setting. And she's like, I think the two of you need to meet each other. Yeah. And she had us over to her house to go swimming. And yeah, I met you pregnant in a bikini. Ooh, I was large and in charge. <laughs> back then. You're so was about cute. 36 so cute. weeks pregnant. So, but it's been so grateful. And really, she was just the bridge. For the sure. two of us to become mm-hmm. friends. So do that for each other, people. When you like when you see people who would be well suited, make that connection. We need we need these relationships. Yeah. And you guys mm-hmm. were what, like fifteen? Fifteen years apart. Yes. And yes. honestly, what she what the things that like I think you were looking for me to do, you're doing for my daughter. Because you met <laughs> yes. her like in the process and you're about fifteen, not quite, but yeah. about fifteen years older than her. And I'm like, Oh, this is so beautiful. There's oh, my word. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Check it off. Check it off. Okay, podcast is done. It's so beautiful. But it really is. I'm so grateful Like to, that she's got older, wiser women like you. It's just mm-hmm. this beautiful, mm-hmm. like, you know, stair steps of life kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's just exactly on. how God designed it. Like yeah. how God intended the church to be. Yes. I think oh. it depends. Your, your reaction to all of that is your personality. You know, mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with how your personality is. Mine was just like a pullback and withdrawal because I felt like I didn't have faith anymore that help would come. Like, Ah. even if I did ask, Uh like Mm -hmm. the person that I would um, automatically go to wasn't there to ask. So Mm -hmm. where, where else was I supposed Mm -hmm. to go? So I had to be more self-reliant. I think that was just a 
probably a function of temperament yes more than anything else so mm-hmm. if you know yourself and you know okay i'm i i think okay wait i'm looking around and i don't have the help i need is is my is my temperament holding me back from that yeah. you know mm-hmm. like talk to your husband about that or talk to a good friend and see um yeah see what you need to do to tweak that and change mm-hmm. that and i would say you didn't stay in that place no i didn't i mean we had we had our group small group yeah. and people that we kind of did life with that i would ask things of um, and sometimes it would be, hey, can you watch the kids? But I, You and Becky, as you yeah, talked about in another that's podcast. True. Um, yeah. She was a little bit ahead of me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that we could share some childcare stuff with. But it, I didn't do it a lot. It was probably, I could have used a whole lot more. Yeah. So, yeah, I would encourage people now to just, just ask. Mm-hmm. Like, it can't hurt. You know, I was mm-hmm. having a conversation with Sam Alberry, who's probably just one of the most, uh, he's so he's such a thoughtful Christian mm-hmm. and he's, he's so gentle and kind. And so we were talking about being single cause he's a single man and he's like, the church is my family. If I'm ever going to have, you know, um, siblings and children mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. the church has got to be that for me. And he says, I want to like be a part of people's families. Like it's not um, a drag for you to call me and say, can you pick up my kids from school? Mm-hmm. He's like, there's nothing I'd like more than to pick up your hmm. children from school. Yeah. And so not only are we depriving ourselves, but we're depriving other people who would love to actually be involved in family life in ways that they're not going to be on a consistent basis. Actually, win-win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they get to go home to their peaceful house right. after being in your chaos for a while. Right. <laughs> so don't assume things about people. Don't assume yeah. just because you're single, you wouldn't want that. Or just because you already have kids, you wouldn't want somebody else's too. Mm-hmm. Or just don't assume. You don't know. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you can just, like, I can... I've got lots of younger mom friends and I can judge like who can handle like a little extra. Like there's, I just have a a list. I'm like, Oh yes, I could call her in a pinch. If I needed help, I could call her in a pinch. They're just really especially flexible, gracious Mm -hmm. people. Um, and, and then do it. Mm -hmm. It actually, um, that was a long lesson for me actually was to not to think of friendships in that way and not like they have to pay them back or write them a thank you note. Mm. (laughs) doing that yeah. I realized I didn't want to be an indebted I wanted to even the playing field I wanted to even that I wanted to even that score instead of I think we're supposed to be indebted to one another let mm-hmm. no debt remain outstanding except the debt to love one another yeah mm-hmm. like who and you know what we need to be indebted to each other in love call your friends yeah call your people if you don't have people get some mm-hmm. get some people just invite yourself over to dinner in life yeah. with people <laughs> worked for me yeah so um I loved this insight she had about grief and Bonnie you've described this to me um again I think it's temperament like I don't want to I hate grief so much I want to move through it as fast as I can oh yeah but she says that adapting to being a motherless mother is an ongoing often uphill battle and she says um it's not linear grief is um cyclical yeah so mm-hmm. it's it's not like you're ever going to get through whatever something I'm trying to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls them subsequent temporary upsurges of grief, stugs, that can <laughs> emerge at big life events, maybe a divorce or an illness or a big um, adverse event with your child, or standing in the drugstore looking at the can of Aquanet, which is the hairspray you know her mom used, <laughs> and she just bursts into tears yeah. when she sees that. And... Um, and so, have you experienced that, Danielle? Like a like a cyclical grief where you like it just takes you by surprise. Um, you have a moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Um, a lot of 
before I had children, Mother's Day was really hard for me. Now, that's not necessarily taking me by surprise, but um, I would skip church. I don't yep. want to hear the preacher talk about how wonderful mothers were and all that stuff. I could be doing other things with my time. And um, <laughs> You hated it too, Amen. Yes. <laughs> I'm over terrible. here. Yeah, it is. Um, and then, like, I didn't expect to be so affected. This past June was 10 years since she'd passed away. And I didn't expect that to be kind of any harder than any other previous anniversary but for some reason the 10-year thing was like man it has been a long time and Mm -hmm. maybe I thought I'd be further past it by now Mm -hmm. or or something but the 10-year was bigger than I thought it was going to be you and I also talked about um, when you found out you were having a girl yes due on her birth on my mother's birthday yeah oh wow I yes heard that story bless it was um it it was interesting whenever they said that and then from like from that day whenever I found out my due date I was like okay this is a girl and I don't know if this is God like redeeming that day for me or if it's God redeeming a mother-daughter relationship for me whatever it is I'm here for it but um I just every time somebody would ask what's your due date it would I would be reminded of it Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I I remember thinking when you told me when she was due and that it was a girl I was like, oh, that's so sweet of God. He's going to help, like, take you through this a next phase mm-hmm. of processing that grief. And I didn't know what that was going to look like, but mm-hmm. I just felt like, oh, yeah. it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. Because you're going to be seeing your daughter go through all the stages of life that you went through. Yep. Sure. And then it even brought up something that I didn't anticipate was, I will never get to watch my mom hold her daughter's daughter. And there's something about that, um, like I can't, I hope Kate has a daughter. I can't wait to hold my daughter's daughter. Like there's just something really special about that. And I thought that'll never happen. Mm -hmm. And it just, again, mourning like what could have been. Yeah. I think, um, well, gosh, way back before my, before I had my daughter, I had a miscarriage and Mm -hmm. to do that or or infertility or something like that Mm -hmm. without your mother there, it was like this cosmic confirmation to my mm. whatever <laughs> cynical mind <laughs> that well that's just you're not supposed to be a mom because obviously you can't be because you don't have one to teach you how to do it this is God saying it's not meant to be you know um before my sweet sister came in and said knock that off <laughs> <laughs> that's, she's a, is she the military that's just person? A, yes oh I appreciate that so much <laughs> yeah so but yes just like you were saying your um your milestones and uh, I said I was 24 when I lost my mom. So mm-hmm. that's what my daughter is right now. So oh. as I'm seeing, yes, things would come up all along the way. Um, in particular with, with my daughter more so than with my son because of that mother daughter mm-hmm. thing. It's just mm-hmm. a, the same sex model. Um, and yeah, I would see her, especially over this year thinking, wow, she's like, she's been married just a couple years. This is where I was. She's been, now she's going and finding out what she wants to do with her life and who she's going to be. This is where my mom was. And she's not getting to witness, you know, she never saw me get to do that. And I, I compare all the time subconsciously, um, and kind of makes me realize how young I was mm-hmm. like cause Savannah to me. I know you're listening probably. <laughs> You're still baby girl. You're mature. So. <laughs> you're and doing all the things. I don't care how old you still... are. <laughs> yeah, it makes me see how old, how young I was and how young my mom was. Because mm-hmm. that's me. Like, I'm three years away from being how old my mom was when she passed away. So, to me, that will be yet another, like, I know, the 10-year milestone for you. But, boy, when I hit 55, it's going to be 
probably some earth shattering thing yeah. like okay I made it mm-hmm. like I wasn't supposed to because you think your life has to pattern after hers and it it's just these weird psychological things that go on but yeah mm-hmm. and so knowing that those are going to happen and that those are going to crop up like to me that's helpful to to be able to to not be caught off guard mm-hmm. like um I mean a Christian worldview of suffering is it's a broken world we're we're gonna suffer mm-hmm. and suffering can be redeemed mm-hmm. and and um was it suffering produces perseverance perseverance character character hope so um we can't like avoid it but we what we do with it i guess can be different mm-hmm. it can be mm-hmm. a more redeeming version of it or not and i think what you're what you're describing is the redeeming version of it so you had those nasty things you were telling yourself like i guess the universe says i don't get to be a mom and you right. had a, a sister who was like stop saying those lies yeah like the story we tell ourselves is extremely important mm-hmm. And, um, and just being aware, you and I were talking about this a little bit before, you know, when you're 20 years old or how old were you? I was 25. 25. Okay. About mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. Um, you're not self-aware. You don't know what's going on with your <laughs> I life. I thought I did. Right? But I know. I, I thought mistaken. I did too. But so yeah. my mom died in October and for the next five Octobers, it was probably five Octobers. Like that whole month, I was in a horrible mood. It was like PMS 24 yeah. 7. Sorry, Bob. I uh, know, poor Bobby. <laughs> and like, I couldn't have told you why. It was right. like, duh. What do you think that mm-hmm. is? Because you're grieving this year after year after year. And um, like, I would lose my voice. It was mm-hmm. this weird physical, um, like, what does that say? It's like, yes. I literally was not able to speak right around the time of the 19th. You know, I lost hmm. my voice the week of Emma's wedding. I couldn't speak. After she was married, I could speak again. Not interesting. Isn't that interesting? That is yeah, like that a is some manifestation of distress, <laughs> right? It totally is. Right. Some wow. way you're her voice. She's your voice. You know, whatever you want to, yeah. what theme you want to put in there. But yeah, it took me multiple years, like way mm-hmm. more than it should, to figure out. Oh, so now I can say, hey, guess what, guys? October's coming up, as it does every year. We might want to have a you know red flag on this mm-hmm, month and realize mm-hmm. yes this could be why you're in a bad mood right i do the same thing like for my mom's birthday and um the date of her death and stuff i'm like dustin it's coming up just giving you a heads up if, if i'm you know weird that day nothing against you i just i'm in my, i'm in my zone or yeah. whatever so and you know men would appreciate that they do yeah they think that they would all catch on yeah, not I mean, so it was much. like suppressing a guffaw over here. <laughs> not so much. No, but no, yeah, just that little bit of communication yep. mm-hmm. to set yourselves up for success. And she talks about this um, in her book, I think, or maybe in the article I read, where um, when these these things hit you and you feel like these overwhelming emotions, and you're a mother, mm-hmm. and you like still have a, have to do all the things, and you have the little people mm-hmm. that you have to take care of, like coping in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever just go shut yourself in a closet or like go go to the bathroom? Air quotes. <laughs> <you know>? Sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, or did mm-hmm. and, and or have like your kids are grown, Bonnie? So did you ever talk them through like what might be going on or what went on? As yeah, you because that? eventually they reach a certain age and they don't have this other grandma, right? Like mm-hmm. Bob's parents are around and mine's not. So I want them to know her, and you know, so yeah, I talk about her. I don't talk about her constantly but we've got pictures up that stay up and I talk about oh yeah my mom did this you know and oh she would have loved this about you Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um and then yeah as they got older yeah I mean I would after they left the house for sure and I've 
read through lots of things and become yes. way more self-aware, I realize, and I'll go back and talk to him. You know, I think probably some of the things that I did were because I didn't have a mom and I mm. wanted you to have a mom. I think a lot of the um, conflict between me and my teenage daughter when she was a teenager stemmed probably from that because it was getting closer and closer ah. to the age that I was when I lost her and any mm. kind of conflict that came up, um, even like a you know a three-year-old, normal three-year-old behavior when they're being rebellious and antagonistic, telling you no or I don't like you, mm-hmm. that stings more than it should. I take that more personally than I should because yeah. I'm thinking, well, this is supposed to be like the perfect relationship, right? Mm-hmm. The one that I never got to I have. have to yeah. It's so not yeah. that, that what am I doing? I must be doing something wrong. I'm, I don't know how to do it right. Mm-hmm. I was never taught how to do all those things right. So it's a weird mix of emotions and the more aware you are of that and the more you can tell your kid, hey, you know, this probably is not as bad as it's, it looks. It's yeah. probably just because I'm processing my stuff yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. um and they can they get that yeah because you know we talked about we've talked about modeling healthy conflict between you and your husband you know and you want to show them like how to fight fairly and how to apologize to one another well this is just another part of life yeah like talking about how you're processing your own grief or your own emotions or how you're reacting in a way because of something that's happened to you like i think it would be extremely helpful to walk your child through that when they're old enough to understand it because then they're not taking it personally, your mm-hmm. outburst or whatever yeah. it is either. It's not your fault, but yeah. it's not mine either. <laughs> right, right. It's not It's not just you and I that's all that's happening here. Mm-hmm. There's right. something else at play. What about um, you, Danielle? Do you tell your kids about your mom? or? Well, so Jack is four, and he's just at that cool age where he's like, wait, daddy has a daddy? <laughs> and like, mama has a daddy? And like, how does this all work? And so I haven't really said much about my mom but he did ask me the other day, well, mom, mama, who is your mama? Mm-hmm. And so I had to um, have that conversation and I hadn't, yeah. I don't know why, but I had never considered that I would have to have that conversation with him and he's four. So I knew if I messed it up, it wouldn't be a huge deal. So I just kind of fumbled <laughs> my way through it. And, yeah. um, but I know that those conversations are going to come up more and more as he gets older and he's going to want to know more about her. And there is a picture of uh, me and my mom and my grandma in my room. And he, it's a big eight by 10 and he's never asked like, who is that? Mm-hmm. But, um, I think I may need to show him that picture and really point it out and say this, this is, you know, mm-hmm. my mom and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Your grandmother and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I think it would be hard. I, I haven't lost my parents Praise God. They're wonderful. I'm so glad they're still in my life. But I can talk really, like, they are people to me. And I can talk very frankly and plainly about their strengths, their weaknesses. They're human beings. And it's okay. When your mom is not around, like, do you find that you have to, um, how do you talk to yourself about your mother? So <laughs> do you, like, are you canonizing her and, like, minimizing her flaws? <laughs> are you are you running through all the flaws? And all the things that you're angry that you never got resolved with her. I think it could go either way. Or maybe you just are like I am. And you're able to just see, okay, she was a human. Here's what she did well. Here's what she didn't do so well. And I can speak, you know, about her to my husband or my children in a way that's like neutral, fairly. What was your tendency, Bonnie? Yeah, I think um, before I had children, she was definitely on a pedestal. Okay. Um. And then after that, 
there's so many, you're just immersed in this whole world of triggers at all times because mm-hmm. memory just keeps coming back and you're realizing, oh, well, the things you can't ask, like she did cloth diapers and I'm not going to do cloth diapers. What? <laughs> I, I talked to question. my mom about that. I was like, you did cloth yeah. diapers. Tell me what you did. Stuck your hand in the toilet uh, water and swirl, shook swirl, that swirl, diaper, swirl. Yes. that diaper clean. Oh dear. Hardcore. Yeah, stuff. So once I had kids <laughs> and I'm doing it all myself and realizing she was a person just like me doing all these same hard things just like me well she's still a hero because she had five for right. crying yes. out loud <laughs> but um but I also kind of remembered other things too like the free range sort of thing like why didn't you ever come to more stuff you know mm-hmm. or and I realized she's mortal she's mm-hmm. flawed um you know she had her issues and her stuff too mm-hmm. and yeah the older I've gotten the more I reached closer to her different ages that she's been and I realized what she must have been feeling and going through at the same time yeah the she's just a person yeah. <laughs> she's just mom she's still yeah. great but uh yeah way more reality so a journey comes in that really it started really started when you had your own children and you started seeing yeah it's just a the, reshaping yeah. I think of yeah memory versus reality and I think that, you know, it's super important. The stories we tell ourselves become our reality, right? Mm-hmm. So I've mm-hmm. talked about how, you know, I told myself I was a terrible mother because I didn't like getting up in the night with my child. I talked myself into depression, mm-hmm. literally. I mean, yeah, there were some hormones going on there, but I think that was not the only thing at play. And so it's really important, the stories we tell ourselves yeah. about all the aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so you can tell yourself the saintly, the sainthood story for a while. That's probably part of the grieving process. But it's so healthy to Yeah, but when you start comparing regular. yourself to that, you're never gonna reach <laughs> that. Know, like that's mm-hmm. not even real. And so there's what do you have left? Yes. But I'm I'm less than. So yes. that's a terrible thing to go through yeah. life with. Yeah, you yeah. gotta be real real realistic about yeah. it. Um What about you, Danielle? I think as a person who like loves justice and wants the right thing to be done, I think I was very angry with her for a long time and, and even still to this day working through some of that from some decisions that she made. And it was also um, being angry at her was a good defense mechanism for me mm-hmm. because it was like, well, even if she, I mean, I probably wouldn't even be close to her even if she was here. So I'm not missing that much anyway, Ah, which is not um, all that helpful, but it it's, um, it's what I did and easy to understand for me. So, um, but as I get older, echoing what Bonnie said is I, I see myself, I'm still dealing with all my stuff and Jack's like, mama, when's breakfast going to be ready? And so I think a lot of times she was just doing the best that she could mm-hmm. and maybe hadn't really processed some emotional issues that she had and some, uh, maybe some depression and stuff. And so I think I've probably been looking at her through, um, too hard of a lens at times, mm-hmm. you know, um, my counselor told me that um, it's helpful to understand why people did the things they did mm-hmm. because you're able to extend more grace and it just brings a little more understanding mm-hmm. in your life, but it doesn't make it okay. Right. It's so, it was so refreshing. It mm-hmm. seems so straightforward, but it's so refreshing to, it helps you extend grace to the people in your life who've hurt you, but also um, not deny mm-hmm. that the very real hurt that happened. So yeah, so good. I know. And we are, Danielle and I are working through this study on forgiveness with some other women. It's good. It is really good. It's so good. I guess I should just say what it is because we can put it on our show notes. Sure. But it's um, Lisa Turkhurst. You suggested we do it. Yeah, it's forgiving what you can't forget. Right, right. And so she walks you through actually very um, 
you know, cause I love the theology, you know, I love the uh, theology yes. of it, but she's very concrete as well. Mm-hmm. There's really good theology underlying like why you, we need to forgive and understanding how we've been forgiven. Right. But then actually just practically walking through the things mm-hmm. that you're, you're trying to let go of and forgive. Yeah. And so highly recommend. It's been a great, great, it's been a great study. So that would be particularly relevant. Like we said at the beginning, if you, you lost your mom in a different kind of way, maybe, um, I was angry at mine too for dying. Like, how dare she? But rude. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, but you know, if you've got a mom absent by choice, sure, yeah. or alcohol, or some other kind of mental illness, or you know, all the different reasons. A mom who hasn't worked through her own stuff, as mm-hmm. you said at the beginning, right. and who those makes mother children, like, yeah, take never- care of her, that kind of stuff, yeah. the, the, where the relationship is just wrong and broken, and maybe you've had to choose to extricate yourself from that or mm-hmm. step away or not have the relationship. That's just as painful. And you have to have all those same forgiveness issues, all those same anger and grieving issues that go along with it. Yeah. I have a friend whose parents divorced, um, like after 40 years of marriage. And, mm. um, I, I saw this adult human go through the same grieving that like a 10 year old would go through. She didn't, she didn't express it in the same way a 10 year old would, mm-hmm. but it was as much a grief as if she was a young child and so um uh, yeah it's like it's real stuff Mm -hmm. that you've got to to work through and she did i watched her work through it and it was it was beautiful so um what advice would you give as we're closing this conversation um these moms i mean that's why we started the podcast bonnie right to help other people like so many people don't have a mom that they feel Mm -hmm. like they can ask these questions to just Mm -hmm. ask your mom and what advice would you give young mom who says, hey, I, I need that person in my life. Um, how can I how can I have that? What advice would you give? Yeah, well, similar to what Danielle said earlier, it's just like find the people that kind of radiate positivity and the things that you need that check all your boxes. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of my um, young friends in high school that I just latched onto their moms um, even before my mom passed away. But after that, they were like mom number one and mom number two. Yes, and I even called same. them that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just stepped right in. They stepped right into that role. And um, there were times when I wrote them letters during parenting and stuff. I can remember um, just like, am I doing this right? And they were so great. And mm-hmm. people are out there ready and willing to help. So um, I, look around. I can echo that. Like I, there is, brings me nothing. Well, that's not true. Holding Dottie brings me more joy. But, but like, and being with you, David, I love to be with you. But something that brings me great joy is to be involved in the lives of young moms. Mm-hmm. Like, when y'all call me, Danielle, and, like, ask me stuff or just talk to me about your lives, like, that's an honor for me. That's not a drag. Yeah. So I would say definitely find those people. And the people who knew you, that's also a beautiful thing, Bonnie. Like, they knew you when you were a kid. Yeah. They know you. Yeah, and they knew her, yeah. which is helpful to be and able to talk her. about that. And they knew her. And they, they don't, like, shy away from, they'll say, they'll use the term, your mom, in a sentence, instead of being like, oh, can't talk about that. Right. But yeah. Oh, yeah, your mom and I used to do such and such. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's such a good thing to hear. It is a good thing. All right, anything to add to that, Danielle, that, you, that you've done or that you would, you know, friends who need this in their lives? Because you have it. You have a lot of good mother help yes um I would echo what Bonnie said I had several friends in the youth group and I pretty much stayed at their house as much as I did my own home and um 
I will be forever indebted to those two women. One of them, nobody in their family liked honey mustard salad dressing, but she kept it in her fridge just for me. That's the greatest example. Yes. I yeah. love the honey mustard story. I'm yes. like, tell it, tell it. Yes, that is so sweet. And then another one, she knew that I loved canned tomatoes and macaroni and cheese. And so she would always have canned tomatoes and macaroni and cheese. And she'd be like, do you want me to make that for you? And some days I would. And some days I'd be like, no, I just ate. I'm fine. But like, they really... Um, like took the time and were genuinely um, seeing that I needed that and and were willing to give that to me. Um, I love that. You know, the word mother, I think is a cool word because it's a verb too, right? So we can mother mother ourselves. We can learn to mother ourselves and we can learn to mother other people and take that from from Mm -hmm. our church family, I think in particular, girlfriends in particular. Yes. Like just showing up and being there for one another. That Mm -hmm. takes so much of the weight off of things like this. Um, Absolutely. I think those are great things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mother where you can. And you know, I, I can't close without talking about the theological angle. And and I've just been doing, I've been reading this book called Spiritual Mothering. And it's actually been oh, really, cool. really well, there you go. Um, helpful to me. And just kind of seeing like, because you know, I'm always like, stop it with the female stereotypes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, there, but we are uniquely made to do some things really well. And even those of us like me who are not huge nurturers, we're more nurturing than most men. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just matters of degrees. But um, the the model for all of all of mothering for all of life is God our Father, and that sounds counterintuitive, but she made a good argument for it in her book. Um, and I wish I could remember Ruth Hunt, maybe is her name. We'll put it in the show notes. But spiritual mothering is the book, and she says one of the names for God is El Shaddai. And L um, is the name for um, translated like almighty, like powerful, which is like no surprise, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but Shad, it, part of Shaddai, is the Hebrew word for breast. Huh. And so Shaddai <laughs> pictures God's fullness, his bounty, his tenderness, his generosity, his desire to nurture us, to make us fruitful. So it's this powerful, nurturing force and the almighty breast is what you're saying, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The, almighty. the powerful breast and I, 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 dun, like, dun, dun. I can get behind that i can get behind that <laughs> that's no 1960s mom in a corset or a girl no, it you is know? Not. a girdle <laughs> that is that is like the the beautiful mothering that we can do for each other mm-hmm and so we're just thankful to God for our moms and thanks to you all for walking through just just the surface of the depth of this topic, which is, you know, losing your mom and mothering without a mom. And praise God in the new creation. Like no more goodbyes. Yeah. No mm-hmm. more, you know, no more tears and all of that will will be redeemed and we will see each other again. So I appreciate so much the two of you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And I I know our listeners are so grateful. So if you want to see these resources, we'll have the books we talked about on our website, justaskyourmom.com. Our shows come out on Facebook and Instagram. So you can find us at Just Ask Your Mom on Facebook and at Just Ask Your Mom podcast on Instagram. And we drop them every Monday. Yep. And if you're listening, please rate and leave a review or comment. We love to see those. You can always send questions or topics to justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Your Mom. Mom.